that even in the deconstruction, we want to control the deconstruction. <laughs> that's not surprising because right. that's always going to be the, the pull. We're going to make space for the mess. And that I think is the only way that you can get through deconstruction without losing your mind. <laughs> It's like nothing is black and white and there is no right way, wrong way, appropriate trauma response. Well, welcome to episode four of the Prone to Wonder podcast. We are so excited that you're sticking with us, that you're here um, for all of our crazy conversations. Today, we're going to be talking about, is there a right way to deconstruct? And it kind of got brought up. um, We were talking about anger and deconstruction and how we didn't want to be just an angry um an angry account where we just, you know, bashed our issues with the church or our previous traumas or whatever it was. Um, But we also want to hold space and be perfectly fine and comfortable with anger and with trauma responses because they are real and that's, they should be addressed. Um, And, you know, it really calls to the carpet certain abuses and systems and patterns. And so it absolutely should be called out and addressed. So there's kind of that weird balance, you know, and it's, and then an account that, that we follow your favorite heretics, um, they just got kind of roasted for, um, the way they approach things, people telling them that they're not doing it right. Um, and that they're leading people astray and they're just bitter, you know, just the normal things that people have to say about stuff like this and hard conversations, Um, so it really seemed like the perfect time to kind of address all of this. So, um, yeah, let's do that now. (laughs) Well, and this is an interesting topic also, because I think even amongst the three of us, we have different approaches to how we are navigating this deconstruction process and we don't all see eye to eye, but we all respect each other's, uh, you know, needs. So I think this is a great conversation for that. um, The gospel coalition, I think just released a whole article on how to deconstruct, which is hilarious because it completely defeats the purpose of of deconstruction and questioning everything. Um, And so it, it feels like this is on everybody's mind right now like it feels very forefront in this kind of community that we're finding in this space and the people who are all going through similar things everybody is you know questioning these things questioning the question it's not surprising that even in the deconstruction we want to control the deconstruction (laughs) that's not surprising because that's always going to be the the pull I have to do this the right way, even as I'm saying, I don't know, I don't want to be told what the right way is, but also, can you please tell me what the right way is for deconstructing? What are your thoughts, Becca? Well, it's funny, that's kind of how, when I started 
Well, when I started, I, um, it's, it's just funny that you say that because I kind of went into this with a, a lot of fear. Um, like I was very scared. I was like, oh, almost in the, the gospel coalition thing, like, okay, I can deconstruct all of this, but like, I don't, I don't want to lose my foundation. Cause what if I lose the foundation? And so very early on, it's funny. I act like this has been going on for years <laughs> last week when I was afraid, um, <laughs> No, uh, but that's, I kind of came into the journey with that desire to control it. And I don't think if I wouldn't have been in the spaces that I'm in, listening to the people that I'm listening to and being supported by you guys and having these conversations that, that I would have kind of moved forward from that. I think I very easily could have gotten stuck there. Yeah. And I think it has become, I mean, every, every one of the bigger, more prominent either progressive Christian accounts or deconstruction accounts within the last two weeks has been talking about deconstruction and trying, I feel like trying to balance out this narrative because a bunch of uh, religious organizations kind of caught on to the term and are trying to integrate it into, into uh, their communities and and trying to keep people from leaving to go find out what this means by talking about it but they're talking about it in a very narrow way and in a very uh it's almost like uh they're trying to make people feel like they're giving them freedom to go investigate and learn and ask questions and wonder but they're not Mm -hmm. and so a bunch of the progressive accounts and the deconstruction accounts have been trying, like talking about it. And how did it, it came up with us though. It came up about anger because Vanessa was wanting to be really careful about not becoming a account that is just angry at the church and is just complaining Mm -hmm. about stuff. And she, in our episodes is usually our voice of, uh, not reason, because we're all reasonable, but our voice of peace saying, okay, we've, we've said a lot of negative things. What are some <laughs> But, uh, so we were talking about that. And then we started talking about, well, what is like, what is the appropriate amount of anger? Like, can you be an account mm-hmm. that isn't ever angry? And if you are, are you really, really being helpful? Or are you almost being like kind of shifting into a toxic positivity kind of area of, not really giving the space for the experiences that may have been tough enough to make people angry, you know, and to gloss over some of that could be painful or triggering to people who do feel those really intense emotions. And I don't necessarily want to be an angry person either, but a lot of things do make me really angry still. And so we were talking back and forth about is there actually a right way to do this? I don't think any of us think the answer to that is yes, but where can we each find our own balances? And the three of us are very different in how we feel about, I think, our own journeys and where we, where we fit in the larger sphere of deconstruction. And so the conversation came up. Yeah. And it's so funny because I think every place where we try to control the process is a place that's revealing a fear that we have. So I can totally see where my fear of, so my fear, just being completely honest, 
is that I don't want to go from one structure under religious control that tells me you're better than everyone else if you believe this, that, and the other. And then you kind of feel like, oh, oh, good. You know, I'm in the, I'm in the right group. I'm in the right camp. I don't want to go from that structure, which is bondage in my perspective, to another structure that says, oh, you're better than that religious structure because you've deconstructed and now you're even woker than them. I feel it, it just, it brought up, it triggered in me this fear of, oh my gosh, I don't just want to, is progressive Christianism just the same thing, <laughs> but you feel better about it because you can notice some of the flaws in the previous structure. All the while, I'm still in a structure that has me abiding by certain rules, can do certain things, can't do other things, feeling good about myself because I'm woke, but I'm still upholding systems of oppression or I'm still participating in a hierarchy of better theology versus bad theology, better perspective versus bad perspective. I kind of want to reject a whole, the whole thing and not subscribe to a, a binary good, bad, right, wrong, black, white, we're the good ones, they're the bad ones. Uh, so that, and I recognize that. I don't have the answers, but I recognize that even in my desire to not be an angry person who is passing judgment on those who still stay in religious structures. Well, the whole thing that I hate about the religious structures is the way they pass judgment on other people. So, you know, again, I, I think it's more helpful for me when I see those fears coming up that that shows me where I need to do my own inner work rather than trying to decide, is that right of me? Is that wrong of me? Well, it just is. It's just where I'm at. And then that helps me see, okay, then you have some fears around here, Vanessa. And like, let's take a look at that. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if that brings any more clarity or thoughts from you guys, but that I feel like it points more to my own inner work rather than me coming to some sort of conclusion about who's doing it right and who's doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. And I think that, I think that in any situations like this, there's like a, like a sacred anger or like a righteous anger to me. So I, I wrote a, I wrote all of these symptoms of what I thought a feminine spiritual awakening or like a feminine deconstruction might feel like. So for, for humans that identify with a feminine energy, I think we share some traits of the experience of going through this. And I wrote them all out because I felt like not a lot of people talked about anger. And I have found when speaking to a lot of other women or people who identify as, as feeling female, I have heard this thing where all of a sudden they hit this point where they got really angry and they didn't know where it was coming from and they didn't know what to do with it. And I wanted to talk about it because if you feel angry and you don't know what to do with it, that can become a dangerous situation, right? Because anger, I heard this quote the other day and I don't remember who it was by, but I just thought it was so good. It was just anger is sadness that hasn't had anywhere to go for a really long time. And sure. if you don't have healthy ways to move that feeling through your body and out of you, it can explode. Like it becomes a pressurized emotion, right? Like we all know that feeling of anger where you just are like, I'm going to lose it. I'm going to break things. This is going to be this is not going to be positive. It's going to be self-destructive. And I think because in deconstruction and in spiritual awakenings and whatever you want to call what these experiences feel like, 
everybody tiptoes around anger. And I, because no one wants to be angry or bitter and nobody wants to come off as not knowing what they're talking about because they're just hyper emotional. But I think that there is a level, like almost like the stages of grief where there is this righteous or sacred anger where you realize Mm -hmm. something was, some experience was, painful to you or you missed an opportunity something was taken from you or you had to live under something that changed the way you would have lived normally and you feel angry about it and you have every right to feel angry about it like you have every right to feel angry if someone is mean to you or hurts you or holds you captive in a place or a belief or a thought or whatever you have every right to feel angry about it but I think that a lot of a lot of people on the internet and a lot of people who are still um, really connected to the religious structures that people are leaving, they really want to, they really want to have other people feel loved. And I understand that their heart's in the right place. And I think that they can bulldoze over people's emotions with almost like, like I said before, almost like a toxic positivity, like don't be angry, don't perpetuate anger, don't become bitter. And I feel like that narrative just downplays a lot of the experiences that people have and doesn't give them an outlet for what I, what I feel is like a very, uh, a very specific evolution point of this experience. Like you've got to process it. You've got to, if you feel angry, you've got to be able to realize that it's anger and then figure out what to do with that. So you don't feel it anymore. Like you don't want to carry that around forever to that end. I don't think it's healthy to be angry all the time forever either. And so I agree. I don't want to become an angry account, but I also don't want to be an account that glosses over things that people have every right to be angry about, like every right just to keep the peace or to appease some larger group of people who just don't like conflict or more than anything, if I'm being completely honest, and this might piss some people off who are listening, but to appease people who haven't left this structure because they can't make the jump, but don't want to be lumped in with the people who are causing pain. And it's like, Mm. that's not my job to appease your emotions because you can't make a decision and distance yourself or decide that you're okay staying there. Like, it's not my job to comfort you in that tension, right? Like I was hurt and it's not my job to now make you feel better. Like that's kind of where I feel about it. And I told Vanessa before, I was like, this topic is very triggering to me because I feel that that weight gets put on people that shouldn't have to bear it. Mm-hmm. And we do this all the time with people. We kind of make other people deal with our problems because we don't know how to deal with them. But I think just by talking about it, sometimes it can help if we're angry, it can help us realize I can't hold on to this forever. I can't stay in this place forever. And if we're the person who is trying to force angry people to not be angry, to make ourselves more comfortable, we need to realize it's not their job to make their emotion go away so we feel more comfortable, right? Like there, it's there's not one right answer. It's just figuring out how we can all move through in a positive way, right? Like everybody's just got to process their own stuff. Mm-hmm. But everybody wants to look at everybody else and go, oh, no, you need to stop doing that. And you need to stop doing this. And you need to stop doing this because I'm the one that's right. <laughs> yeah. Which is what you were saying before of like, everybody wants to be the group that's right and doing it yeah. the right way when they're just, yeah. I, we all, I think we all, the one thing we all agree on is that there's just not a right way to do it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And it, the only things that feel uncomfortable to us is because it's triggering something within us. 
Right. It's not because there's some sort of uh, overarching moral standard that's being offended. It's because there's an internal triggering that's coming about. And so when you do feel like someone is doing it the wrong way, it's always an invitation for inquiry. But you're absolutely right, Becca, we have to have anger. Anger is what fuels the destruction process. Mm -hmm. And I think we all have this intrinsic understanding that there is life, death, rebirth. That is a common experience and theme. And to enter into the death process means there has to be a destructive force. And oftentimes that destructive force is that fire, that anger, that tear down. And I think when we get afraid of the destructive force is when we forget that rebirth always naturally follows destruction. So we don't have to be afraid of the destruction if we trust that there is always going to be that process of rebirth. And oftentimes when we get frustrated is when we're trying to resist that destructive force because we're too nervous that the rebirth won't come. So we'd rather just stay in perpetual life but that actually ends up taking us into an empty shell and death. So it's only in the surrendering to the destructive force that we can find that new life and rebirth and new iteration of our existence here, belief system, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but it has to, yeah, there has to be a place for anger and destruction. Absolutely. Uh, I, f I feel like um, people take a lot of other people's trauma responses personally when it comes to a system where so many people might find their full identity, you know? Yeah. And so they feel like you're attacking them when in reality, I mean, and I think this is across the board with all systems, not just church. I mean, but politically and all of it, it's because everybody wants everything to be black and white and we don't hold space for all of this gray where we can love a community and, you know, like, let's just, we'll go with church, but like you can love the church that you're in. It could be a healthy community where everybody mutually respects each other and encourages each other. And you're all just trying to, you know, move towards love and all, and, you know, care for your neighbor, all those things and still call out the very long and very present and very real history of systemic oppression, abuse, control. I mean, all of those things and the traumas that they cause and know that it's not you. Like a lot of times it's funny, I'm still involved in church and I am very okay with addressing the church at large and the shit storm that <laughs> it's, it's causing, you know, and that's just where I'm at right now is I'm, I'm still involved in church. I don't know if I'll be in church forever. I don't know, you know, what that looks like in the future, but right now I do love the people around me and I love the community that I'm in. Um, but I'm watching my words a little bit. <laughs> um, but I, I do take a lot of issue with especially Western Christianity and um, the Western church and the American system, because I actually feel like it's very opposite to um, the very like message that they try to uphold. Anyway, <laughs> get, not, I'll get away from that. But so I feel like holding space for 
your neighbor's trauma and not taking it personally and not feeling like you have to fix it is loving your neighbor, which is supposed to be a cornerstone of, of the church and of Christianity, you know, and addressing, like holding those people who have caused that pain accountable, especially if they're supposedly Christian or supposedly involved in the church. And especially, especially if they are in leadership in one of those spaces, they should absolutely be called to the carpet. And it's almost like, um, it almost switches to a, because I think people get personally offended, almost get switched to like a victim blaming mentality where, well, if you just weren't so whatever, or if you would have just done this, or if you would have, and really they should never have been put in that position to begin with. Like, I mean, Becca, whenever you one day like share your full out story, um, it, I get so personally angry (laughs) for you. And all I want to do is go back in time and go into that space and like call people absolutely to the carpet, you know, Um, and hold space for you. And the fact that that church is triggering for you, that these spaces and a lot of these people and a lot of these ideals are highly triggering for you is not remotely surprising to me. I would be shocked if it wasn't Mm -hmm. like you're remarkably stable for someone who should be really pissed, you know? Um, so I think, I think when we take it personally, because our complete identity is wrapped up, not just, well, from a Christian perspective, not just like in Christ or in whatever that's supposed to offer, but in the church and in this whole, like, this is the theology, this is the, the, the right and wrong, then we take it personally and victim blame, you know? And I feel like people don't realize that there is space for all of it. And mm-hmm. it's like, nothing is black and white and there is no right way, wrong way, appropriate trauma response, whatever it might be. Like that's, that's humanity. Like we are human. We're anxious and, you know, uh, fragile and all of those things that come with, with being human, it's messy. And I feel like if people would just take a breath and be okay with things being messy and things being human and being okay, like we are human, we are having a human experience and that is okay. That's, that's right. Mm -hmm. The fact that it's human and everybody responds differently to things. I mean, like, I don't like cilantro. Because I like genetically, like it does the soap thing, you know, I know uh, your little Cuban hearts just like had heart attacks, but um, it tastes like soap to me. And that doesn't mean I'm wrong. It just means like the way that I'm wired and the way I move through life is unique to me and my human experience with the broken pieces and the good pieces and all of those things. It just, it just is. And it's not scary or wrong or dangerous. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I do think that the, uh, I I don't know, like, I I don't know the best way to like name a group without it just becoming, I know, like, 
the Western Americanized evangelical Protestant church. <laughs> <laughs> we can all agree. Yeah. It's like a very specific group of people, a very large, but like very specific group of people. Right. And I want to be clear about like where my experience is rooted because I don't want people to just think it's like global hatred for all of all of like people associated with the religion because it's not it. It's just like that one that one group and how they deal with things. But um, my experience was that they are not good with things that are messy. Like you had said, like it's a human experience. And the tricky part I think is with a faith that is so wrapped up in love and community for those people to not be able to deal with 50% or more of human experience. Right. Sets you up for some really unhealthy uh, interpersonal situation. The, the church should, uh, you know, little c, should be a place where people can go in their mess and to live their life alongside each other. That's the ideal, right? Like the whole community is like, let's quote unquote, do life together. Like all of the <laughs> we should do an episode where we have like a dinger and we just try to get as many like jargon phrases in like the whole episode. Oh my God. Like a little tally thing. We could see if we could get to like a hundred or something like that. Um, Take a shot every time someone says <laughs> season. <laughs> How's your heart? Um, <laughs> to do life together. But my experience was that when life got messy, that was it. Like, can't deal with this. Like, you're done. You're out. We, we just can't deal because it's no longer that Pinterest perfect picture of what we all want to believe that we are a part of, which is not a real thing that exists, you know? But it's like this collective consciousness co-creating it with everybody of we want to live in this perfect place. And the messiness just kind of gets shoved under the rug, which is where these traumas and abuses and stuff kind of happen because no one wants to deal with the anger and the hurt and the mess because it disrupts the daydream that everyone's trying to collectively live in. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it, I think it's a really big missing piece, like being able to number one, admit that human experience is messy and gray and it's not gonna go in a perfect straight line for everybody all the time. Like, honestly, it's gonna be the flip side of that. Like, it's mostly gonna go bad for, like, and go wonky for everybody. And there's gonna be a couple people who it like is pretty smooth for. Yeah. It's like the opposite. But when, <clears throat> when there's no, when there's no space for that, when people, it's not even no space for it, people cannot handle it. Like, they do not know, they are not equipped to deal with this because not every person who's just in a community group or in a church is like a counselor or a therapist, like they're not equipped. So you can't really blame them, but also like you also then shouldn't claim that you're a space that can support it, you know, because, mm -hmm. and so people come in thinking that's where it's going to be and they allow themselves a moment of vulnerability or they, they make a mess and they're trying to clean it up and they can't, they, there's no space for it. It's like, oh, you made a mess, get out. Like, we don't want you making a mess here. It's like, wait, I thought, I thought this was a place where I could make messes and, and we would all work on them together. And it's like, oh no, 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 no. That's what we just tell people so that they feel safe coming here. But we don't, we don't actually want any messes. It's like those, um, it's like the grandmas that have like the formal living room that's like all white, <laughs> nobody can go in it. 
the plastic. You know? Like, no, no, that's our family room. But like, no one goes in there. No, no family members are allowed in that room. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's kind of what it feels like, you know? Yeah. And so it's, I think that's a huge challenge is that the mess is something that is talked about a lot, but I don't think it's actually like walked through very often. And mm-hmm. so I think that a lot of people feel really abandoned in those times. And then that can breed hurt and anger as well. Well, I mean, in that space, it even, because I mean, there is a difference when you look in that particular sect of Christianity, which I think we're all very familiar with. um, There is also this celebrity leadership culture, um, which is so toxic. Um, And then, so when, you know, leadership gets protected and like hidden and built up and all these conversations happen, you know, behind closed doors and things get swept up until they're so big that they're untouchable. And then there's this giant crash and burn. I mean, you see it very recently with like Carl Lentz and Robbie Zacharias and all those things. Um, And they're just kind of built up and put over here and protected until it it's an atomic bomb you know, of mess instead of being dealt at like, you know, the root in a small community. And I don't really know even that there's, I don't really think there's a space for Christian celebrities, Western Christian celebrities, because I feel like that just perpetuates, you know, these problems. I feel like, you know, these little pockets of community actually like well, doing life together. <laughs> I hate it. There's no other way to say it. <laughs> um, like doing life together that like that can be healthy. And that is a space where you can make messes. And I mean, like, I feel like the three of us have more of a church than many other churches, you know, because we're all pushing towards like, we all want to be more whole. We all want to be more loving to ourselves and to our neighbor. And we, you know, are messy and different and we help each other pick up those pieces and learn and move forward. And I feel like that's what it should be like, like that's healthy, that's holistic, you know, but I think that kind of the attitudes towards the celebrity leadership in that particular sect of Christianity, I, and I laugh because I'm involved with the mega church. Um, (laughs) But um, between that and the general churches, um, lack of lack of addressing mental health which is a whole other episode um I feel like it's just all like I'm amazed that there aren't a million atomic bombs going off every day you know Mm -hmm. yeah it's just set up for failure it's so funny because you know even in talking about this you were like well I feel like that's how it should be and it's so hard I think we were all sort of talking around in circles earlier before we even had this recording of how do you say it shouldn't be like this without saying it should be like that. And then, but there should be no shoulds. It's really, really hard to not always fall back into that idea of it should be, and it shouldn't be. And then you do come to this point where you're kind of like, but shouldn't there be some shoulds? (laughs) Like, should we just, be okay with someone who stays silent when there is abuse or is that where we draw the line and say no you should not be silent when there's abuse because then you are upholding and allowing that abuse to continue unchecked so is that the should 
or is the should something else? And that's a really, you know, this is where a lot of people I think do kind of give up because it, in one sense, you're almost left with no hard and fast. And then that can feel unsafe in one sense because you're like, well, how do I trust someone if they don't have the same moral standards that I do? What if they are silent and there is abuse and then that doesn't protect me and that leaves me out in the cold? And then someone else could say, well, what if they're always talking and tearing down every structure and just causing destruction without ever building anything up? That doesn't feel safe to me. And you feel like you're just going around and around in circles. Um, and I think, so there's a book that I haven't read yet, but I have heard such amazing things about that I really want to read called The Sin of Certainty. And it's talk, it's, it's basically about how our desire to have the correct beliefs actually keep us from living well. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, which is ironic again that I'm like I'm gonna read a book and have someone else tell me how to not be certain about <laughs> it. Like this is where it just gets so crazy. But um, another thing I was thinking is that the anger kind of feels similar to sexuality in that it is this human force that feels messy. And any time that there's a human energy or force that feels messy, we all and certainly Christianity, but I think all of us have this desire to control it. Let me control my anger. Let me control my sexuality. Let me control my appetite. Let me control anything that feels this carnal energy that could rage. It's like, oh, 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 like, mm. and the problem is, like you said, Amber, the more you try to control something, and we even see this with binge eating or whatever, or like super strict abstinence, the more you try to control something that's human and carnal and powerful the more it will just get built up until it explodes. And then yeah. it does a lot of harm. And so I think looking at the harm that that is being caused can be a good metrics, at least for me. And again, it's like, I feel like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth. Hey, let's not have any metrics or say that there should be shoulds and should be shouldn'ts. But then also here's a good metrics, like how much harm that something is causing has been one of mine so if staying silent is going to cause harm to someone else, then that feels like a metrics that I want to push against. At the same time, sometimes speaking out causes harm to myself. And there's a, a, an aspect of self-care and mental health. I've had to pull away from conversations. And then I feel guilty thinking, well, if I'm not having these conversations and challenging these paradigms, then who is? And why am I feeling like I can't stand in this space? But at times I have to check in with my mental health and say, I'm not capable of doing this right now. And I yeah. just have to step back. I with think... that, with the silence, go ahead, Becca. No, go. Um, I was just going to say with the silence, I do feel like social media has created this weird paradigm with that because it's no longer like when I say, no, you should not be silent. What I mean is if you see abuse happening, let's say you're, I keep going back to church because it's kind of the, the, the factor, you know, kind of in uniting the deconstruction, but there are other areas that you deconstruct in, but I'm just going to say church. So you're in a church family and the pastor is, you know, getting with hookers or whatever, doing drugs or whatever, you know, new scandal, Carl Lensing it. I don't know. Um, but, <laughs> or, 
<laughs> it's just so public and like now, you know what I mean? Um, whatever he's doing, like, or abusing, you know, women in the church or whatever, like you should absolutely speak up in the space that you're in, you know? Um, but I don't think that necessarily means that every, every abuse and injustice and wrongdoing you have to make social media posts about, you know, I think that's kind of more of an, an overarching idea of who you are. Like you can post things and people know, you know, where you stand because of the kind of person you are. And if you feel healthy and safe and in alignment, you can make those posts. But if you're, you know, doing it out of fear or, you know, but like that's something we talked about before, if you're doing it out of fear, that's not something you should do. So I think there is a difference between speaking up and not being silent when you see abuse and injustice in your actual life than versus or in a space that you're in versus on social media, you know? Yeah. And I, we were talking about this before because I think it's, I think it's a really tricky thing to navigate and I don't have the answer. I I'll pose it to you guys here while we're recording too, because I think that I don't think you'll have an answer, but I think you're, just talking through it might be interesting for people who are listening. Okay, so I am fully outside of the church. You guys are still involved in in different, to different degrees. And so I can appreciate the struggle for people in your position, because I know you guys, I know your hearts. And so I can appreciate the struggle of, I still care about this thing. And I I think it can can do good if if we take out the bad parts and I want to be a part of that, but I also don't want to get lumped in with people's ideas of what this group is. So like, how do I navigate that? Right? Like, how do I, how do I be the person that this is supposed to be without people just assuming as soon as they hear that I'm involved, that I'm these other things and how much of it is my responsibility to publicly combat and how much of it is in how I live my life? Because I'm sure there are wonderful, beautiful, good-hearted people that are involved in, in this community. I feel like the majority of people I've met are not safe. That's the best way to explain it. Not even a character judgment. I just don't feel like they're safe people to be around and or to let my kids be around or to include into my life in any degree. But I know that there are people that don't deserve that judgment. But I think it can be an easy thing for people in my position to look and go, well, if you're staying there, you're supporting, you're upholding, and you're perpetuating a religion that continues to do so much harm. Mm -hmm. So how can you continue to support it and also believe the things you believe and say you're the kind of person you say you are? Like, how can you marry these two things? I know it can be done because I know you too. <laughs> But I think that for people who are angry, it can be really hard because it feels like you're either in or you're out, you know? And that's not a fair thing to do to people either. That's not the yeah. truth. You're not either in or out. There's a million steps in between and a million shades of gray. But that can be when we're angry and when we're hurt, that can be the feeling that we go to. You're either with me or against me, yeah. you know? Like that's mm, yeah. people. It's like they hurt me and you love me, so you should hate them now. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. We want that. We want that from people. It's so human, mm -hmm. but there's more to the story for everybody. Yeah. Right. And so yeah. for you guys, like, how do you navigate it? Like <laughs> I, I can just be like, peace out. I want nothing to do with this anymore. And like, that is easy for me. I know that this is much more why you guys 
are a lot more trepidatious about appearing angry in our sharing and in our posts and stuff than I am. I even joked about it on social media. I was like, I'm clearly the most anti-church of uh, the three of us. So come to me for all of the like dank memes and sarcasm because I just don't care. But I know that you guys really do. And I respect that. And I love that about you. And I appreciate that you guys want to be more like Jesus was than how the church actually is. But I can see that that is a very hard spot to be in because most people are just going to look at it and go, that all sucks, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So where is the line? Like, I don't don't blame people for being angry. Like, like, I feel like you should be angry because I don't like most Christians. Um, (laughs) So it's fine. And I feel like my position is a little unique because I am somewhat of a more public figure within church because I'm on CDs and, you know, um, performing or I was not so much anymore, but like performing in front of large crowds and things like that. And so I think, um, it's funny, you're talking about like all the good things about, about the church, but honestly, I'm kind of in a place where I don't very much like the church at large. Um, the only place I do still like Jesus and I don't know exactly, like I'm still kind of figuring out where I stand on everything. And I do feel like making, making that kind of a a goal to, to move my life towards is, has been beneficial to my family and to my marriage and to my community, because it has caused me to, if I'm actually looking at that and not looking at the church to be more loving and gracious and, and all of those things, it's, it's more representative of those things than me thinking this is the only way, you know? Um, I think there are, you know, Buddhists who are the same, (laughs) who are doing the same thing. So I think Mm -hmm. it's just, you know, pick your poison. Um, but oh, I'm going to get emails for that one. Um, (laughs) but so I have pulled back a lot. And, and I have been in a really weird space with that lately because I'm angry at the church at large. And, um, and so, but I do love the one particular community that I'm a part of. Um, and I mean that on a very local scale and you guys know what I'm, I'm saying when I say that <laughs> I'm like the four like four other people who know me well, know what I'm saying when I say that, who are listening, but um, very localized, the small community that I'm a part of, I like them because I I know them and I I know who they are and and what they do. But outside of that, um, I I don't like it. (laughs) I don't, if I'm honestly kind of glad that we're in a pandemic right now, not because, you know, gajillions of people are dying, but um, because I haven't had to face church really so much. Um, I don't know where I'd be if I was weekly having to like, just go through the same sort of motions. I don't know what that would be like. And so it is a very interesting space to be in right now. And so I think being open about that, which does cause me to be a target (laughs) um, because there are people that will be disappointed in me and angry with me. Um, but being open about that, um, publicly and on social media, um, and 
by doing things like doing this podcast and just being very open about, you know, my journey and blogging and all the things that I've done and kind of taking stands where there are absolutes for me. And I, I just know it in my gut and just not being afraid of where the chips are going to fall with that. Um, that's kind of been where I've landed with it all. So I do feel like I'm in a very weird space because I very much don't want to uphold any of that shit. <laughs> you know, um, I just, I don't, I don't want to, and and I'm angry too. So it's, how do I love the people I've been in community with um, and be honest and angry and open? And um, so I think being public about having to deal with my deconstruction and my issues and my anger in a public setting by being very open on social media and things like that. Um, I think that's all I've known how to do. I guess that's, that's, that is absolutely the entire answer and no answer at all, but that's where I'm at, which is okay. I'm, I'm, I used to want things in black and white, but I'm learning to be okay in the gray. The fact that I don't know anything, I don't know where I'm going to land. I don't know if I'll never set foot in a church again in the near future. I don't know if I will, you know, find a small community of people and we'll, that'll be our church. I don't know if I'll stay exactly where I'm at and try to revolutionize it. I have zero idea. Um, but I'm just trying to be open and vulnerable and honest about being in that space. And that's all I know how to do. Okay, Vanessa, what about you? Cause we only have a couple minutes left. Before we- yeah. I don't feel like I'm going to give a very conclusive answer either. However, I will say that my spiritual beliefs at this point have shifted into such where I believe we are all one and we are all connected, that it's one consciousness animating various human expressions. So there's no distinction between me and you, Becca, me and you, Amber, or anyone who's in the church or outside of the church. And so that kind of non-dualistic, it's not me versus them, it's a collective, has been really helpful for me. I was actually at church, and my involvement in church is also not solely based on my own beliefs, but things that I'm navigating in my partnerships and in, you know, other relationships of my life. So that adds layers of navigating. It's not just me making my decisions independently, but as a connected person to other relationships. So I was just at church this last week and there was someone who I had very negative and hurtful interactions with who walked into the church. I didn't know that they attended this church. And instantly I felt in my body, obviously, uh, emotional response. And I was able to work through it by remembering that her and I are connected and we are one. And whatever she's reacting to in me is because I'm triggering something in her shadow. It's not about me. And of course, again, I, I, that doesn't really address what our role is as far as calling out and standing against and exposing and you know protecting, really all of that is protecting those who have been harmed by this religious structure. But on a micro level, individualistically, 
seeing that we are connected and that there's no difference between the pain of someone who is being religiously judgmental to me and the pain of someone who's experiencing homelessness and tries to take some of my belongings. I see both of those individuals. Yes, they're both causing harm to me, but I see both of them as acting out of deep wounds and pain that they've experienced. So I look at both of them with compassion. Now, I would definitely say, hey, homeless person, please don't take my stuff. Hey, religious person, please don't talk to me that way. It's not that I'm not trying to, you know, stand up for There's still boundaries. There's still boundaries. And I won't let people speak to me in certain ways and all of that. But for me to hold anger and bitterness towards that person experiencing homelessness or towards that person with religious, you know, judgment toward me keeps me in bondage. And I just don't see the world as we are separate. I see us all connected. So that's been my way of navigating how to still exist within these structures, even though I disagree with them and I may even be hurt by people in them. Mm -hmm. Well, I've really, I love this conversation. I just love hearing from you guys. Vanessa, you're so zen. It's like I feel like there's so, so like much healthy more. And like, <laughs> well, I feel like there's so much more to talk about. And of course, there's so many layers. And and this is a really tricky subject because you can talk yourself around and around in circles. And I think again, that's where it begs us to give each other freedom. Yeah. Like it just begs us to be so compassionate and make space while still having boundaries. Like that's the crazy, you know, right? We're all one, but also I'm here in Miami and I'm not you and you're there in Atlanta and Orlando. And so that's the paradox of we're all connected and yet we have individual experiences that are that are significant. We can't just say, oh, we're all one. So who cares what anybody does to me? Sure, come do whatever you want to my, I still have agency and I am still an individual. So that's, I don't have it all figured out, but that's, yeah. Do you think though that, you guys hit the nail on the head a little bit earlier with it, where you were saying we, any of these big, very primal uh, emotions are scary to us because they can cause destruction. And so we try to control them. The funny thing though is, you know, as, as someone who's experienced them, all of them, hunger and binge eating, anger and destruction, like all the things and gone through them, I've, I've now learned through experience that if you try to control them and bottle them, a lot of the times they do make a giant mess. But if you let the emotions roll through you, a lot of the times they're not really that fiery. They're not that, that bad. You know, like if you just let yourself be angry and find a good productive way to yeah. funnel that energy, you know, like yeah. then it passes. It might make a little mm -hmm. mess. Mm -hmm. But you can clean it up. If you try and restrain all of it forever, it is going to cause a big ass. Well, I don't know what the answer is, but I do think that maybe we're moving in the right direction when, like you said, we, we allow each other the space to, to just feel what we need to feel. So yeah, yeah sometimes it's going to sound angry and sometimes it's going to sound really peaceful and sometimes it's going to sound counterintuitive and sometimes you know it's going to be all of these different things and I don't think there's one right way to deconstruct I don't think there's one right way to navigate a social media channel talking about deconstruction I think the only way out is through 
And so I think that you've got to let people be angry. You've got to let people be the voice of reason. You've got to let people be calm and peaceful. Like as much as you have to let me be angry, I have to also look at you and go, there's merit to her reminding me of the opposite side of that, reminding me of of how to be peaceful, how to be loving, how to look at it from another way. Like it's both sides of the coin. There has to be both. Otherwise it does spin out into a direction that's not great in either way. Like you've got to have, you got to make space for the mess. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) I feel like all of us here are in agreement about, we might not know the right way to deconstruct and we definitely won't be a forever angry account, but sometimes we might be Mm -hmm. angry about something. And sometimes we might not be super angry. We might show another perspective that challenges that and asks people to think of it differently. But we're gonna make space for the mess. And that I think is the only way that you can get through deconstruction without losing your mind. <laughs> yeah. And so, and if you don't have friends like these, cause I've realized that I've hit the lottery, um, we'll be your friends, at least on social media. We don't have much personal space, but, <laughs> um, but we hope that we can be that space for you. And that's the whole reason we're doing this is cause we've realized how special um, having this space is. And we want to create that space for you. So if you're angry, if you're not angry, if you're offended, if you're not offended, if you're terrified, whatever, wherever you're at, um, I hope you feel like there's there's room for you at the table. So thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. Thank you.